Triple Whale has just launched a simple finance platform called FinHub, and I'm already loving it. One simple dashboard for all the tools and accounts you're already using, so you can gain clarity with your consolidated data, your real-time cash flow, your accrual P&Ls. It's designed to help those brands that are built on Shopify to operate smarter. So go over to triplewhale.com and check it out. Welcome back to the third and final episode with Connor Lewis talking about his amazing crowdfunding campaign with Fort the Magic, the Magnetic, I almost said magic, and it, I mean, it is kind of magic, the Magnetic Pillow Fort that did over $3 million on Kickstarter and $2 million bucks in the first hour, which is a great start, but... Sorry, 10, ten hours. hours. Sorry, ten, two million in <laughs> first hour would be well, crazy. Yeah, because the uh, the hourly rate of two million in ten hours is, is too low. Uh, <laughs> but that's a great way to launch. And as you heard in the last episode, the sales tend to trickle out during the the campaign. Eventually, you're going to have to move to your own site, which is what we're talking about today. So, Connor, thank you so much for joining me for for a third episode. Let's chat a little bit about what you're doing to move from your successful pre-sale Kickstarter campaign onto your own channel and what the the biggest nuances you're finding with that is. Yeah, so the interesting thing about moving off of crowdfunding is a lot of people do it kind of uh, two or three different ways. The first and and kind of main way is to either uh, take your Kickstarter campaign and move it to Indiegogo, which has this platform called InDemand. Uh, Indiegogo these days is 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 much more e-commerce like in its whole interface and system, and in demand is basically where it's your highest price point on the Kickstarter, and you, you just kind of make it float in the uh, crowdfunding sphere. So basically, you're kind of raising additional funds, quote unquote. It makes it look like you have this huge campaign, right? So if I moved my Kickstarter campaign to Indiegogo on demand it would say like $3 million on the raise. And in reality, it would be like, oh, I'm just raising extra funds. And that that helps a lot of people continue to move forward with their um, kind of campaigns, continue to get cash in the system and uh, help them kind of uh, create a create a little soft landing for them. The other, uh, probably the, the, the second one is just to go straight to a pre-order on their website. Um, we actually opted for our own version, uh, which was, I saw how much we raised in, in you know, the first 10 hours, and I saw the drop-off, and I saw what our Facebook ad spend did over the next, you know, 30 days, and I said, I've got my work cut out for me. I sold a ton of product at cost uh, or, you know, below or whatever, and I really need to focus on this operational and fulfillment side to get in order to really, you know, make this a successful uh, campaign. And so I turned off everything, basically. Now, that was good and bad in a lot of ways. Um, I turned it off from uh, early March to uh, late May. So what that allowed me to do was really work with suppliers, really work on my cogs and try and figure out kind of uh, more strategies to gain customers. But it also allowed things like uh, competitors to come in. It allowed people to see kind of our success and start to to move in on us, right? There's already a, a literal knockoff on Kickstarter as we speak, which is super frustrating. Um, but 
it uh, also, but but on the good side, it has given me time to kind of get my feet under me. As a first-time founder, jumping straight into more and more pre-sales, you're basically digging that hole deeper of things that you need to fulfill, and that's really daunting. I knew that I once I sold like these twelve thousand units, I was like, I really have to make sure that I get these out. They're quality. They may be my minimum viable product, right? You know, they may be, but these are the best that they're going to be. Uh, and they're only going to get better. And so what we've done is we've waited till late May and we uh, are starting to open up our Shopify store. And so, um, you know, what we're really looking at now is like we took a month off, we got our Kickstarter orders settled and, and kind of organized. And then we started to do that kind of slow trickle of getting more leads, posting some ads, figuring out where these kind of new customers are and seeing if we can kind of benchmark our company, right? Because the big questions are, okay, we raised on Kickstarter at a discount, right? That's great. But the discount customers are different than a customer paying full price. So now we need to figure out what is our cost of acquisition? What is our uh, sort of retention rate or uh, whatever for returning customers, people who back the Kickstarter who maybe want an accessory or a new product? Um, what are the kind of drivers that are going to drive these new people? How are we going to do, how are our SMS list, Facebook group, uh, Instagram, uh, email list going to convert when we move to Shopify? So benchmarking all of those things will kind of help us build the plan for the business moving forward. Yeah. And that's, oh man, I, I got a little bit distracted looking for the knockoff on on Kickstarter. That's just frustrating. <laughs> that's really, yeah. really Frustrating. So, I mean, getting into the the tactics, as you so you mentioned, Kickstarter is Kickstarter, and then Indiegogo is much more feels like an e commerce that you bring in your your Kickstarter orders. Have you did you get any pushback from people wanting to wait until it was being launched on your own site or until inventory was was shipping? So, almost like a, a second pre order uh, opt in or group. Uh, the biggest thing we got were people who were concerned about the safety and security of Kickstarter, which is totally mm -hmm. fair. You know, people worry like, oh, this is not real. This is a scam. You're stealing my money. There's no guarantee. You know, with something like a Shopify pre-order, there's a little bit more legality around it. There is the, uh, you lose the safety blanket as the founder of like, I now have to deliver this product. I sold them. Um, I've offered them a warranty and a return policy. Um, I'm not, uh, since I'm not a lawyer, I do not know the exact um, things around that, but I know there are certain uh, legal things that can surround kind of a store that is claiming to be a store versus the Kickstarter ecosystem. And so some people just want the kind of comfort and security of that. And I, I truly don't blame them. Um, obviously, we did fine on Kickstarter without that, those people. But, um, you know, the only, uh, I think there are a certain segment of customers who are just waiting for, I'm saying, A, I'm okay waiting, but I'd rather have the security of a pre-order and I don't mind paying the extra fee for it. Basically the, you know, retail mm -hmm. price. I think that's a, it's a very valuable lesson to, to take away just that just because someone didn't necessarily pre-order, they might want to just wait until they see that it, it is real and don't forget to follow up with them and, and continue to bring them good um, good news. It's like my mom always said when I was like a kid, you want to get through the bad news really quickly. And then if as long as you have good, good news, keep trickling that out to your customers or to your potential customers. In terms of 
how Shopify versus Kickstarter is is different. What goes into planning building a, a website for the long term versus the Kickstarter campaign, which as successful as you are, there's always that chance that it might totally, totally flop and not necessarily planning for that. But it's a website with a start and end date versus a business, which hopefully lasts uh, indefinitely. Yes, this is a huge, huge thing that will definitely keep me up at night. It is concerning thinking about uh, how do you transition from this like kind of magical Kickstarter thing to a just good old fashioned e-commerce store because you've got all these challenges that come with that. The regular acquisition of customers, where do those people come from? Um, There's no organic other than someone searching for you, Uh, you know, like Googling magnetic pillow fort. And um, so we basically approached it much like we approached our Kickstarter campaign in that we wanted to build uh, interest pre-launch. We knew that if we waited, hopefully we would gain a little bit of um, FOMO of people, you know, because they missed out the last time and and they may uh, come in this time. And so we built an email list, an SMS list, uh, which obviously we had been building, but we we intentionally started building it up more. We presented opportunities to our current um, customers or followers to share in exchange for kind of giveaways and promotional things like that. And we also basically what we did was we started launching new uh, products, which for us meant launching new colors, colors that people had been dying for. And so that was really the the key driver for us right now is, hey, we don't have the time to engineer a whole new product, but what we can do is start engineering new fabrics and engineering new colors with our various factories. And so we have engineered some new colors and those colors are kind of going to be our are the kind of the the rock of our pre-launch on Shopify. Um, We knew that if we could kind of get these uh, lists built and um, launch with these new colors, we could, like I said earlier, just kind of benchmark what this store could potentially do. Wow. I think that's really um, powerful. And when you mentioned the the colors are just different ways, my, my mind was already thinking back to an episode with Dan Dembski of Unbound Moreno, which is it's a great way to just create urgency without necessarily discounting. So you can continue your successful launches for new colors, but then also working with your suppliers and manufacturers if they have a certain color. Maybe you do that as just a limited release. Like if they have a a springtime yellow, you could do that as... A, uh, a springtime yellow for people waiting to get the the perfect color to match their their home. Yeah, absolutely. And we found that in running a lot of conversations with with customers, we found that those are those kind of uh, colors actually drive a lot of the uh, not only potential purchases but but just engagement. So. Um, for us, I think colors are going to be a huge strategy, much like, you know, Air Jordan or Supreme, you know, launching product launches. I think they're really interesting uh, com- companies to look at. Now, I don't think – I used to think that we could be a pre-launch company in that, hey, what if four times a year we release product and it's only available for, you know, uh, 14 to 30 days and then we stop, we make that and we, we make it and send it out. You know, that helps with cash. Obviously, you're getting money up front. You don't have to hold inventory. Uh, but I, I really think in order to kind of grow 
we're going to need to really be shipping out, you know, with that three to five day shipping uh, that you want to do for a large product like this and, and, and kind of continuing to build and potentially like building towards retail or whatever that is. Yeah. And I, I mean, it can be a mix of both. It can be pre-sales for, for discounts or launch pricing in exchange for waiting just a little bit longer. And then just standard, I, I think you have that, that size to get there. No, no problem. Yeah, I think I think um, moving forward, it's going to be about the uh, kind of the for me, it's it's two things it is going to be the CAC or cost of acquisition, which if that's the right ac- e-commerce acronym. And um, then the kind of the defensibility of the brand because because, you know, uh, and of course, we're, we're, we're working on the kind of the legal defensibility from design patents and all of those things. But but there's a there's a there's a great chance for competition to come in here, and so so what does it look like to be the dominant magnetic pillow fort or magnetic kind of kids furniture system, and uh, how do we build that company sustainably um, to really be uh, a strong brand that that can stand on a target floor or on its own e-commerce website? Yeah, and I mean. I don't know for for a retail promo, I would just set up a giant bouncy castle in the, the parking lot of Target, but there might be some logistics to to coordinate with that. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to get some waivers, or just some really good insurance and a legal team. If you forget the waiver, <laughs> all right. Well, Connor, I think that is the perfect place to wrap it up. Thank you so much for for joining me today. I think you've given a ton a ton of just really tactical advice for anyone doing a, a crowdfund or, or a Kickstarter. I'm sure we could just chat all day. I've had a blast. Where can people find you? Where can people buy the, the magnetic pillow fort for their kids? Yeah, check out the fort at getthefort.com and uh, we're at getthefort on all social media. You can also uh, reach out to me personally, just email hello at getthefort or um, I'm at Connor B. Lewis, C-O-N-O-R, just Connor with one N on Twitter. And uh, I uh, use Twitter sparingly uh, sometimes. It, sometimes I'm hot on some weeks and not hot not hot on others, but um, we'd love to talk e-commerce with anybody. Awesome. Well, that is where Connor is. Connor with one NB as in boy Lewis. Thanks so much for joining. Joining. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. And my favorite call to action, make sure you share this episode with your mother-in-law, especially if you want the magnetic pillow fort for your kids. Maybe they'll buy it for, for you. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. switched to OmniSend and immediately saw a lift in revenue. They started automating their welcome series, card abandonment series, and their post-purchase messaging. Just like Baking Steel is the perfect upgrade for your kitchen, OmniSend is the perfect upgrade for your Shopify store's marketing automation. 70,000 customers from home and kitchen brands to consumables and everything in between trust OmniSend. If you're not using a marketing automation platform that connects directly with Shopify, what are you waiting for? Don't leave revenue on the table this BFCM. Triple Whale is doing some amazing things nowadays. They're developing just a huge range of tools to help your brand stay informed and scale. And Whale Mail is where you can get all these details. So head over to triplewhale.com and sign up today.